Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. Let's, let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You and praise You for Your great goodness and love. And we thank You for Your Holy Word and for how it speaks to our hearts and lives. And Father God, I pray that You would work in us today, Lord, to make us into the new creation that You desire for our lives. Lord, that we would be able to fight against the forces and the powers of darkness in this world. That we might be able to accomplish Your task and Your desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We, I know you feel like we've been in the same uh, vat of molasses for the last uh, year or two, but we're almost to the end and we're at the very last of the uh, armor of God. We've been talking uh, for some time about God's desire for us and how we should live and how we should go about our life. And we've been talking about the different aspects of the, uh, the Christian life and how we should live. And uh, we have been studying this book of Ephesians that has really, uh, in the first three chapters, dealt with the doctrine of what does it mean to be a, a child of God? What does it mean to be a, a Christian? And and then we begin in chapter 4 of how to live that out. How do we live out the life of a Christian? Uh, we're called to walk in the light and walk in the Spirit, but how do we do that? What do we, uh, uh, how do we accomplish that goal? And we've been seeing throughout all this whole process of being built up by God, of being built by uh, uh, God's work in our life and how we likened it to being built up, building up a, a classic car in the garage and being given all the different aspects of what we need in order to go about our life. And we talked about how uh, God has uh, equipped us with all the necessary parts and things that we need in order to uh, to live our life for Christ. And then at the very tail end of all of that, here in the last part of chapter 6, we've been talking about the fact that in all of that, in all of our process of understanding of how to live a Christian life, Paul comes to us and he tells the church at Ephesus and he tells us that any time that we are a child of God, that if we are living our life according to God's desire and God's plan for our life, then we're going to face certain challenges. We're going to face certain powers and principalities. We're going to be engaged in warfare, engaged in a battle. I've never thought of myself as important enough to be warrant the attention of Satan in my life. And, and certainly uh, uh, we... Uh, understand and know that that Satan is is temporal. He's one place. He's not he's not like God. He's not omnipresent. He's not able to be everywhere at all the time. 
But we remember that Satan has a task and a desire to drag as many people down into the pit with him because he knows his, his ultimate demise. He understands and knows what his uh, final curtain call will be. And, and we've all been studying that in, in Revelation and seeing how uh, the sin and, and all of the aspects of sin and all those who who challenge God are going to be uh, face their ultimate judgment. But Satan's desire is to drag as many uh, with him as possible and, and to steal any glory from God that, that he's able to steal. Because uh, that's his desire. We are facing a great battle. And Paul tells us that we're to stand, we're to be strong, we're to stand in His strength, that we're to live our life as Christians to the fullest of our ability, but understand that that our power, our might, and our strength comes from God, and and the ability to stand and and all uh, and fight against the forces of darkness are not in us inherently, but that we are given the strength of God. And so we've been looking at the different aspects of the armor of God, and we've been talking about the belt of truth, uh, which is uh, being committed to serving God and the breastplate of righteousness to uh, cover and, and protect our seat of emotion and our seat of, uh, of our, not just our emotions, but, our, uh, but also our resolve and our commitment. Uh, remember we talked about uh, uh, our heart as being uh, not the, the, our understanding of that we have it in Western culture, but in the culture of the uh, of the Israelite at the time of uh, that Paul is writing this, the heart was uh, uh, the knowledge and understand uh, not knowledge, but uh, our heart was uh, and our bowels were important for our emotions and for our commitment to, to God. And uh, we talk about uh, inviting. Uh, Jesus Christ into our heart and decision making our heart uh, being that location rather than our brain that we understand today Uh, so uh, the breastplate of righteousness and then we talked about our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel understanding and knowing the uh, the gospel of God that we might uh, proclaim it that we might take it out into the world that we might be able to share it with others and to be sturdy and to be uh, able to defend. And, and in that, Paul says we are to stand. We are to stand as a, as a soldier standing on the rampart waiting for the enemy to come, standing like a soldier on the, on the wall looking for the enemy and being prepared and ready uh, to go into battle. And, and so we talked about those three being uh, things that the soldier has all the time. And then we talked a, a little bit more about the the more offensive uh, type of, of uh, parts of the armor. We talked about the, the, sh- shor- uh, the shield of faith, the, sh- the helmet of salvation, and today we're looking at the sword of the Spirit. Now all of these are, are aspects of the Christian life that, uh, that would be familiar with, with most of the Christians in the time of Ephesus. Uh, they had 
thousands of soldiers from Rome uh, that were uh, roaming the streets and the occupation force and they saw these soldiers day in and day out and they understood and knew uh, what each of these pieces of armor were and Paul utilizes these to help us to understand that we're in a battle. We're in a warfare against uh, the powers of darkness and spiritual battle. Uh, Not necessarily that uh, these uh, demons are coming against us personally, but we also have to understand that every aspect of our daily life is affected by uh, these forces of darkness. Every aspect and every part of our life is is encompassed by uh, aspects that are affected by uh, these forces of darkness and and the uh, principalities of of the air and and so in those uh, systems the demonic influence is very real in this world to tempt us to draw us away from God to cause us to lose sight of our task and our purpose uh, how Difficult is it for Satan to attack a whole church of bod, uh, of of Christians of of servants of God uh, with a determined focus of serving God? He's not going to necessarily try and destroy us all uh, by bringing into some kind of sin that's going to uh, disrupt us completely. All he has to do is distract us. All he has to do is to is to cause us to lose focus on what our goal and our de, uh, the desire of God is in our life. And if we get to a point where in this church where all we're thinking about is is how important it is to come and to worship on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, then we've lost the battle. Our battle is not uh, we need to make sure that we're here in this place and, and worshiping God on Sunday morning and have the right kind of clothes on and have the right kind of music and have carpet on the floors and pads on the pews. Our goal, our, our aim, our focus needs to be about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who are lost, sharing the love of God with those who are hurting and, and in need of salvation, sharing the love of God and His grace and His mercy to those who feel like they've lost their way and they'll never find their way. Uh, and so we need to share with them the hope that's found in Christ. We need to share with them the love and the grace of His mercy and let them understand and know that they can be redeemed, that they can be brought back to a right relationship with Jesus Christ and that their lives can have meaning and purpose once again. That is our goal. That is our purpose. That is our aim. And that's why we come together that we might be empowered for the battle, that we might be made ready to carry out the word of Christ throughout the world, that we might be able to accomplish the task that God has set before us. And it's nothing else that's more important than sharing the love of Jesus Christ with the lost. Nothing. We could have thousands and thousands of people as a part of this church. And if that wasn't our goal, if we weren't uh, making our, uh, uh, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with the rest of the world, with those who are around us, those who are in our life, then we've lost the purpose and meaning of our getting together. And there are churches in this world that are the, the delight of Satan because they uh, talk about, uh, they get all kinds of people together and they make themselves feel good about themselves and they make themselves to feel good about uh, coming together and being seen at the right place at the right time. I can remember people when they first started uh, uh, televising First Baptist Church in Charlotte 
And I remember people going to, uh, to that church specifically so that they could get uh, put on TV and people could see them on TV being in church, sitting there with their suit and tie on, with a pretty dress on and their children sitting beside them, all nice and pretty. And everybody in, the, in Charlotte would know that they were in God's house on Sunday morning. Folks, that is a loss of the mission and purpose of the church. Now, I'm not blaming First Baptist Church for that. I'm blaming those people because they missed the mark of what church is all about. They missed the mark of the, uh, the work of, of the saints. And they missed the understanding of what we're to be about doing. And so Paul gives us uh, the, uh, the elements of, the, uh, the, of how we are to go about being ready for the battle, being ready for the fight against those who are coming against us. Against the, he says in verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. We are assaulted daily by the worldly influences uh, uh, that's all around us to pull us into sin and to make us ineffective for God's purpose and plan. And the sword of the Spirit is given to us so that we might be able to fight off uh, the powers of the world, that we might fight off the temptations that come at us, that we might fight off the desire to just give up and lay down our, our weapons and to just allow ourselves to be taken over by the, uh, the sinfulness of the world. And unfortunately, there's a lot of churches in this world who are doing just that. They're laying down their principles. They're laying down the, the doctrine of the Scripture. They're laying down all the things that we have held uh, to be the truths of the Gospel in order to just get along with the world, in order just not to ruffle any feathers, to not to cause any waves. They don't want to cause anybody to be, feel like they're getting their feelings hurt when they come to church. So, oh, preacher, don't talk about salvation. Preacher, don't talk about sin. Don't, preacher, don't talk about how we need to get our lives right and live a certain way. Certainly, preacher, don't tell anybody they can't do anything because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And we don't want to cause anybody not to come to church because their feelings were hurt. Bless my little soul. Sin is offensive to God and we need to understand that it needs to be offensive to us. When we've lost the offensiveness of sin, then we've lost the understanding of what sin is in our lives and we've lost the understanding of what, how our sin looks to God and all the more reason for us to engage in sinful behavior because, oh, there's nothing wrong with a little white lie. Oh, there's nothing wrong with a little nip of this and a little bit of, a little bit of that. Everybody else is doing it. Oh, preacher, don't tell me about doing that or uh, 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 shacking up or anything like that because everybody's doing that, preacher. You can't expect everybody to be uh, uh, perfect 
No, it's not me that expects it. It's God that expects us to live according to His desire. It's God that expects us to live according to His commands and to live in obedience. And when we say, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's all right. We can, we're not going to worry about it. Then we've laid down our weapons. We've taken off the helmet. We've set down the, the shield and the, and the sword. And we've conceded to the world. So we come to, I think, one of the more important aspects of the armor of God, and that's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We need to understand and remember that, <coughs> excuse me, that God's, God's Word is written by God, not by man. This uh, this. Holy Scripture was written over hundreds of years by, countless, uh, by many individuals. And they all say the same thing. They all have the same message. This is the Word of God. It is from Him. It is not the work of man. It is not the words of man. And we're to follow God's Holy Word in our life. We are to understand that it, it represents the message of God. It is infallible. Everything within the Word of God is true. We need to understand the truthfulness of His Holy Word. You can, uh, it is infallible. Psalms 19, verse 7. John 10, 35. Proverbs 20, verse 5 and 6. Revelation 22, verse 18 and 19. I'm going to just read the last one of those. It says in Revelation uh, 22, verse 18, For I testify unto you, every man that heareth the words of prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written there in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So we need to understand that this is God's holy word. It is infallible. It is, it is the truth that has been shared to us by God. And there is no error. It's inerrant. There is without error in this book. And many uh, uh, philosophers and many uh, uh, scholars have been trying to uh, say, well, it, all of this that's in there, here can't be true. The people who wrote these things down and wrote these, uh, when they wrote it down, they didn't know anything about the world like we know it today. And yet time and again, as science has been making new discoveries, they've been discovering that the things that were inspired by God to be written in this book are true. Day after day, archaeologists are find, finding proof of things that they said, oh, it's not possible that these things happen. And yet, time and again, science is finally uh, coming into line and finding that truth is throughout this uh, book. It is complete. It is uh, 
the Word of God. It is authoritative. It is sufficient for our lives. It is what uh, helps us throughout all of our life. It is effective in helping us to, uh, to impact our life. Here's the impact that the Word of God has upon us. It is the source of truth. It is uh, uh, what better way to counter the lies of Satan than the word of truth. And that's exactly what Jesus did uh, in the Gospels when Jesus went into the wilderness after he was baptized. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Excuse me. After he was baptized, he went into the wilderness and was tempted by Satan. And each time Satan attempted to tempt Jesus, what, uh, did Jesus get out a history book or a, a biology book or did he get out uh, uh, philosophical teachings from Socrates or anyone else uh, to counter the words of Satan? No, he, he quoted the Scripture. He cro- quoted God's holy word. He shared with Satan the truth that was found in Scripture. And even when Satan tried to alter and and twist the Word of God to make it suit him, Jesus rebuked him with the Word of God and was able to rebuff him. It is the truth. It is for us to be able to use as the source of truth in our life. It is the source of happiness and blessing that uh, the Bible tells us happy is the man who uh, takes upon him the Word of God and lives out the Word of God. It is the source of growth in our life. Throughout our life, we have uh, aspects of our life that we need to grow in and, and we need to mature and become more like Christ. And it is the source for which we are able to find that growth in our personal walk with Christ and to be able to mature and to help us to grow. And the Bible tells us that it is effective for reproof. It is effective for uh, rebuke. It is effective for admonition. And so it is to be used to help, to cause us to grow, help us to understand God's holy word. Uh, 1 Peter 2.2 and Romans 1.16 and Hebrews uh, 4.12 all point to the effectiveness uh, of the Scripture and its usefulness for growth. And so uh, it is also the source of guidance in our life. Psalm 119, 105 tells us that it is a light unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is uh, to help us to understand how that we are to live our life, how we're to follow our life, and how we're to, uh, to go in our life. We're to use God's holy word to make it effective in us to cause us to understand how we're to live our life, uh, how we're to, uh, to go. It is a source of comfort. It uh, is also a source of spiritual victory as we've seen here in Ephesians chapter 6 where we understand and know that God's word is effective in bringing about the victory against Satan. The sword of the Spirit. The word here for sword is a word that is uh, monchera. It's a small sword, about 18 inches long. About uh, The shortest would be about a foot. It's more like what we would think of as a dagger. It is used for precision 
uh, fighting. It is used for defense when uh, personal hand-to-hand combat is not the the big broadsword that uh, many times we think of when we think of uh, a uh, sword uh, that is romfanta. Uh, that is not the word that is used here. It is the uh, the small sword, manchera, that is used here. It is used uh, here in Ephesians uh, because we are to uh, use it with precision. It is tofuminos. Uh, it is uh, of the Holy Spirit. It's given by the Spirit of God, and it is a spiritual sword. Uh, it, it's uh, either either it is a sword that is given by the Spirit from a genitive aspect, or it is a spiritual sword of the adjective sense of the word. But either way, it is a a sword that is useful and is given by the Spirit of God for our life. It is a sword uh, for attacking the speculations and the lies and the ideas and the concepts and the theories, uh, false religions and philosophies and viewpoints. It is used to help point out the, the inaccuracies of all of these things that we might be able to share the truth of God's Word and be able to, uh, to lead people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anything that is raised up against the knowledge of God we ought to use the Word of God as an effective tool to be able to, to fight against the, uh, these misconceptions and, and lies from the world. Any fortress that keeps God's people captive is also uh, able to be uh, taken by this sword and we are to destroy the wrong, damning ideologies of anti-God viewpoints in the world. Truth is always found in God's holy word. Then the word of God is also described as sharper than any two-edged sword. It is uh, described as being alive and powerful and dynamic and effective throughout Scripture. Everywhere you go in Scripture where it talks about the Word of God, it talks about it being uh, as penetrating and judges uh, the actions of our individuals. No one escapes from its power. And so we need to understand that the Word of God, uh, the sword of the Spirit, is both offensive and defensive. It keeps us from being overwhelmed by the things of this world. It keeps us from uh, being uh, taken captive by the law, uh, the sinfulness of man. Uh, the, uh, the Word of God is uh, here. Incidentally, the Word of God here. Uh, and the description of what the sword of the Spirit is. Uh, The word usually for the Word of God usually is logos, but that's not what uh, is used here. What's used here is rhema, which is uh, a special utterance, a specific statement. So what this is, uh, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, is a special statement, a, a... a, uh, a significant or special utterance of God to help us to understand. And for that reason, we have to be students of the Word. This goes right back to uh, the aspect of how we are to live out our life as Christian. We can't use the, uh, uh, the Word of God. It can't be... <coughs> excuse me, it can't be effective in our lives if we don't understand the Word of God, if we don't have it as a part of our life. If, if, if it's not... 
daily infused into our life, we can't utilize the Word of God as a way of defending ourselves against the powers of darkness or being able to, uh, to set free the captives. Uh, we are to, it is to be effectively used in our life. And James chapter 1, verse 21 says, "...putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humanity, receive the Word implanted." Receive the Word of God implanted into your life. We're to, to do everything that we can to have the Word of God as effective and useful for His kingdom purpose. One of the useful things that we're to do is to, is to not only be familiar with the Word of God through daily study, but also to be able to, uh, to quote God's Word and to be able to use it specifically in certain circumstances. Jesus didn't say, well, somewhere in the Bible it says something about uh, God being the, uh, the bread of life. No, he, he knew specifically the Word, and He was able to share that Word uh, in defeating the temptation of Satan in his life. We need to have God's holy word uh, specifically in our life so we can turn to it, know exactly where certain scripture is found, be able to, to pull out scripture and be able to use it effectively when we're challenged, effectively when we're witnessing to others, effectively when we're uh, carrying the message of Jesus Christ throughout our world. We need to to use the sword of the Spirit in the way that God desires for us to. And so I want to encourage you to have God's Holy Word implanted in your life. Have God's Holy Word as a daily part of your routine of growing closer to Christ, of having Christ as a part of your life to effectively help you to overcome the temptations of this world, to be able to battle the falsehoods that come out all the time, each and every day, to tear down God's Word in our life. It is the sword of the Spirit of God. It is given to us that we might be soldiers of the cross. Let's bow together in prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, I thank You for the power of Your Holy Word in our life. Lord, help us to be effectively serving You. Help us to keep our eyes focused on serving You, of living for You, of being uh, the soldiers You've called us to be, to fight against the powers of this world that would pull us away, cause us to be ineffective for You, and to trap those who are without Christ in the sins of this world. Lord, help us to carry out Your Word to a world that's hungry for the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.